Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Minister David Walker comes with a life-changing message entitled, The Lifestyle of Faith. Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. Praise the Lord. Well, as many of you all know, we are several weeks removed from Connect 40. How many of you guys are still working on your faith projects? Amen, amen. How many of y'all have received from your faith project? Have any of y'all received? Come on, come on. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, excellent, excellent. You know, I was thinking, you know, during the, the time we were doing Connect 40 about the first time that I stepped out on my own little faith project, and I was 10 years old. I was 10 years old in the fifth grade. I was saved. Uh, and my dad told me, he said, we're not getting you no dog. I wanted a dog. And uh, the first, what happened was I was sitting in church, 10 years old, and it was a church called Unity Christian Center. And a pastor by the name of Pastor Philip Godot, he came to the church and he preached on his own personal testimony as well as he preached on um, faith. And so, as a 10-year-old kid, he talked about you could have whatsoever you say. Now, how many of y'all know if you're 10 years old and you hear you could have whatever you say, that sounds pretty good, right? And so, I was like, okay, I could have whatever I say. So, I said, I want me a dog. And it was based on Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verses 22, 23, and 24. Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24 says, therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you'll have it. Amen. I said, that's pretty good. So I'm going to put this to work. So I said, Dad, you know, my aunt, she had these dogs. And I said, I want one of the pups. I want the dog. He said, son, we not getting no dogs. Now, mind you, let me give you the backstory. My dad was 32 at the time with six kids under 12. And all of us were a year apart except the baby. So it was a busy house, lots of mouths to feed. And he like, I'm not getting your dog because I'm going to have to take care of the dog. That was his thing he would say. But how many of y'all know that when you really get a hold of the message of faith, it could turn your life around? And at 10 years old, you know, as much as I knew about God and the word, I started to believe God for my dog based on that scripture. And so every night I say, Father, I thank you that I received my dog. (laughs) We ain't getting no dog. I can hear him now. And then my neighbor across the street had a garage sale. And I went to the garage sale and there was a leash at the garage sale. Now, the leash wasn't like this. It was one of them chain leashes. You know, we're a little more sophisticated these days. But I bought the chain, the, 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 the leash, and I was walking in the living room with the, with the, sit, go, down, stay. Yeah, he, go, yep, right. And this went on for weeks. I didn't tell my dad I bought that leash. But then as I continued every night talking about this and believing God for this dog, I got more excited about receiving this dog that my father told me there's no way we getting it. So in the natural, there was no way. So then I bought me a bone, a dog bone. And so now I got a leash. I got the bone. The dog is eating on the bone. 
All these things are going on 10 years old. My dad finds the bone in the drawer. He pulls the drawer out. Who bought this bone? I'm not buying no dog. It's all right, Dad. You ain't got to buy a dog. Father, I thank you that I received my dog by faith in Jesus' name. I have a dog, Dad. I ain't going to tell Dad that, but I have my dog. To make a long story short, my father's really, really, really good friend reaches out to him. He has purebred Akitas. He tells my dad, hey, man, you, he, my dad's like, I don't want a dog. He said, just come see the dogs. Just see the puppies and you let me know. My dad just happens to go see and I just receive my dog by faith. Right? Now, how many of you know if you receive at 10 years old, that's going to mark you in your heart and your spirit, right? From a hard no, and then God blessed me with more than what I asked for. Because the dog I wanted wasn't on that, on that level. And so many times what we're believing God for, sometimes God has an upgrade for us you don't even know about. And so in, in telling that story, you know, I thought about it, and it's, you know, as a child, I use my faith, and I use that scripture. That's actually, those three passages are my favorite scriptures in, in the Bible. But throughout my young life, I only thought faith was about obtaining things. And, and just, you know, God is, you know, I'm, a, I'm just going to obtain things. But really, the faith life is a lifestyle. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the lifestyle of faith. All right? Are you ready? All right, so let's look at a, a couple of passages of scriptures. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4 says this, Behold his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall do what? The just shall do what? All right, Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. It says, for therein is the righteousness revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall do what? The just shall do what? All right, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. It says, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. The just shall do what? Live by faith. The just shall do what? Live by faith. Who's living by faith? All right. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Listen, anytime we see the same thing repeated four times in four different passages, of scripture throughout the Bible, we have to really pay attention to it. And it says four times that the just shall do what? The just shall live by faith. Well, the question is, who are the just? Well, I'm glad you asked. The just are those who have declared Jesus as Lord. The just are those who have been born again. The just are those who are new creations in Christ. The just are those who have said yes to Jesus. So the implication here is to be the just, we no longer live the way we used to live before we got saved. Amen. To be the just now, faith is part of the way we live. 
It's our lifestyle, a lifestyle of believing the word, a lifestyle of speaking the word, a lifestyle of acting on the word. And so faith is our prescribed way of living now that we've made a decision for Christ. Now, notice what it didn't say. It didn't say that faith was the only time you get in faith is when you're in big trouble. Or the only time you get in faith is when sickness come up on your body. Boy, you better get in faith. Nah. Faith is not something you notice. It it didn't say when all hell break loose, well, it's time to get in faith. No, faith is a lifestyle. It's the way we live. Ask your neighbor, say, how you living? All right. So today I want to talk and give you a few thoughts about the lifestyle of faith. And my first point is coming is the lifestyle of faith is based on the word of God. Another way we can say this is living by faith is living by the word of God. In Matthew's gospel, chapter four, verse four, reading from the King James version, it says, but he answered and said, speaking of Jesus, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus says natural food is not the only thing you're supposed to live on. Listen to that. But every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So life is not only sustained physically, life is sustained spiritually. And physical food nourishes the physical man. So there's spiritual food to nourish the spirit man. And the word of God is spiritual food Or I like to say it this way, the word of God is faith food. So when you, when you, when you feed on the word, I know we don't, we have any paper Bible carriers in here? Okay. All right. I see. I see. When you feed on the word, you're feeding on faith food. This is feeding and nourishing your spirit. Well, somebody say, well, I read the Bible yesterday. I mean, why I got to read it today? Well, let me ask you a question. Can yesterday's meal, you ate steak and potatoes. Can can the the thought of yesterday's meal fill you today? The same is true spiritually. You have to eat every single day. Jesus said, give me this day what? My daily bread. So we need fresh word from God on a daily basis because God is always speaking I said, God is always speaking. It's not a question of whether God is speaking. It's a question of whether we're in tune to what he's saying. First Peter two verses one through two in the passion translation says this. So abandon every form of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy, slander in the same way that nursing infants cry for milk. You must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard a nursing infant crying for food? My Lord. I mean, it's, it's piercing, right? And so Peter is telling us, 
He's telling us with the same intensity that that baby is crying for food. Peter tells us with the same energy, he said, we need to crave the milk of the word. He's just saying we need to crave this word. Crave means there is a deep, deep, strong, powerful desire for something. We need to crave this word to such a point. And he says, if you intensely crave it, the milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life. Jesus said these words. He says, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be what? And so Jesus promises if you get in this word, if you get in the word, the word will get in you. If you get in it, it will get in you. And so when you read the word, you're feeding on the word. When you read, you feed. Tell your neighbor, say, when you read, you feed. And every time you consciously read the word, you're feeding faith into your spirit. Now, just like the physical body, if it's malnourished, if you're not taking care of your physical body, then it becomes weak, right? And so the same is true spiritually. When you're not feeding your spirit faith food, you'll notice certain things start to happen in your spiritual life. Number one, you become more anxious. Have you ever noticed that? You become more irritable. People get on your nerves a whole lot faster. Doubt, sto- doubt flows freely out your mouth. And trusting God goes out of the window. you like, God, I got this. You're taking too long. I got this. That's what happens when we're not feeding our spirit. And when your spirit is not being fed adequately, you don't have the strength to fight off the enemy when the enemy is putting temptations in front of you. Now, see, he's going to always be about what he's doing. We have to be about our father's business, getting this word in us, feeding our faith, and being like Jesus. When, when the enemy showed up, Jesus had a word for him. It is written. And so when you feed on his word consistently, it will drown the doubt. It will destroy the fear. And it will cause faith to rise in your heart. And so a lifestyle of faith is a lifestyle of living by the word of God. In other words, this word is permeating into every aspect of your life. So when situations arise, you don't run to the world to get an answer. You run to the word to get the answer. Can you see the, can you see the difference? When you wasn't saved, there was a way you operated. You called everybody, all your friends, have got all their opinions. But see, now that you're in the kingdom of God, you go to the word and say, Father, what are you saying about what I need to be doing right now? So that's what you have to do. Get in his word and then he'll begin to show you. And so God's word has an answer to every problem we could ever face. What does his word say about my marriage? What does his word say about raising my kids? What does his word say about my finances? What does his word say about promotion? The first thing we need to do is say, what does the word say? Say that with me. Say, what does the word say? What does the word say? say? 
So we must prioritize the word of God. Don't try to fit God's word into your busy schedule. Build your schedule around the word. You'll never be able to put it in your busy schedule. But if you start with the word, you can build everything around it. And you'll find out that you have more time because God will redeem the time. God will make things easier for you because you've carved out time for him. He says, son, daughter, I got it. I got you. I see you. Prioritize the word. Job 23, 12 in the Amplified Classic It says, these are the words of Job. He said, I have not gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed and treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job magnified and honored the word. Now, mind you, this is a guy who was the greatest man in the East, the scripture says. And in one day, he lost 10 kids. He lost all his wealth. He lost his health. His wife told him, curse God and die. And the man says, I have esteemed and treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. In other words, in this scripture, Job shows us how he was able to endure so many losses. And and even though he went through so much, he never lost his relationship with God. He never blamed God. And God restored him and made him whole. But the point is, because of his relationship with the word, he never lost sight of his relationship and who God was in his life, despite what he was going through. See, many times if we're not careful, if we, if the, if we get away from the word, then when situations and storms arise in our life, the devil starts saying, God, God doing that because you ain't been doing what you're supposed to be doing. God starts to talk, and then all of a sudden, we start believing things that's not true. God is a good God. He's a good father. He wouldn't do anything to hurt any of his children. Let me ask you a question. How many parents we have in there this morning? Would you do anything to hurt your child? Nothing? You would would protect your child. You'd die for your child, right? Okay. Not one of us are better fathers than God. Not one of us are a better parent than God. So if we wouldn't do it, you know he wouldn't do it. Living by faith is living a life that is totally dependent upon God and his word. And we see this in the life of Jesus. Point number two, the lifestyle of faith is exemplified in the life of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking to Jesus. So Jesus is our example. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. And when Jesus was in his earthly life and ministry, Jesus had to walk by faith just like you and I. 
When Jesus came to this earth, he, God didn't give him no special, well, you got a special faith, son. And I'm going to let you have, no, 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 no. Jesus had to develop his faith. Jesus had to operate in faith just like you and I. And so God didn't give him a special faith. And Jesus shows all of us what is possible when we truly place our faith and our confidence in the living God. So his whole life, if you look at Jesus' life, he maintained a lifestyle of faith. You remember, you know, I said it a moment ago, when, when the enemy came to him in the, in the wilderness, if you be the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Jesus answered him with the word. Yes. Then he came to him again and he answered. He said, it is written. It is written. And then the third time he said, it is said. In other words, devil, you could say whatever you want to say, but I'm going to give you the word. Guess what happens when you give the devil a word? You're like, I'm gone. I don't want to deal with you. And so when he was faced with the temptation from the devil for 40 days, he didn't back off. When he was tested, he didn't back off of what he said. Jesus continued to speak until the enemy left. When he was faced with the agonizing thought of the cross, he didn't say, oh, God, Father, why I got to die for these humans? They don't listen. He didn't complain about any of that. You know what he said? He said, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. But because of, because, he said, but uh, before this cause came I to this hour. In other words, he knew what his purpose was. And he didn't allow anything or anyone to get him off of it. And then another way we can look at when Jesus, you know, operating in faith. I mean, there's so many different examples. I mean, when he multiplied the, the, the fish and the loaves. I mean, he did so many things. He was living a life of faith in total communion and connection with God. And instead of looking at his death as something to be ashamed about, the Bible says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. He did all of that for you and I. So the reality is when we trust God and when we live for God and we live by faith, the reality is we can do what Jesus did. We can do what he did. We can live by faith because he already showed us how. Now, let's look at a passage of scripture in Mark's gospel chapter four. And this will show us more insight into this statement, we can do what Jesus did. In Mark's gospel, chapter 4, verses 37 through 41, it says, late that day, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. Now, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. They took him in a boat as he was. Other boats came along. A huge storm came up. Waves poured into the boat, threatening to sink it. And Jesus was in the stern. I'm reading this in the message version. And Jesus was in the stern, head on a pillow, sleeping. Jesus was doing what? Sleeping. What was he doing? Sleeping. All right. They roused him saying, teacher, is it nothing to you that we're going down? Awake now, he told the wind to pipe down. And he said to the sea, quiet. Settle down. 
The wind ran out of breath. I love that. The sea became smooth as glass. Jesus reprimanded the disciples. Why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? They were in absolute awe, staggered. Who is this anyway, they asked, wind and sea at his beck and call. Now, let me ask you a question. Jesus reprimanded his disciples. Why? What didn't they believe? Jesus gave the word in the beginning, let us go where? He said, let us go to the other side. If Jesus said, we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. Tell your neighbor, say, you're going to the other side. If Jesus say, we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. Now, he may have reprimanded them because they could have did what he did. Now, I'm here asleep. Is the storm that bad because I'm still asleep? And he reprimands them. He says, he calls it, well, you know, in the message version, they're a little wild there. Message version said, why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? In other words, he reprimands them. He would not have the premise to reprimand or rebuke the disciples if they didn't have the same amount of ability or authority to do the same thing he did. Man, have you ever been woken up out of your sleep by somebody to do something that they could have did themselves? Boy, I'm going to tell you what, that'll set you off real quick, right? Man, you could have did that yourself. What you doing waking me up? Good sleep. Boy, that's some fighting words. See, what I want you to understand in this situation is, you know, because many times we may think, well, because I'm saved, no storm's going to show up in my life. But what I want you to notice is that Jesus was on the boat with the disciples. And the storm still showed up. So even in your own life, you can be going about life. The storm can still show up. But don't do what the disciples did. Don't speak the problem. Talk the solution. Speak life to the situation. Tell yourself, I'm going to live and not die. Tell yourself, I'm going to have it and we're not going under. The disciples spoke the problem. Jesus spoke the promise. We going to the other side. Faith speaks the desired result. Point number three, the lifestyle of faith puts you in command of your circumstances. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 in the King James Version, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. I looked up that word dominion, and it means to rule, to command. It means authority, mastery, supremacy. And the root word for dominion is domain, a territory over which dominion is exercised. 
complete and absolute lordship over land. You have dominion. You have a domain. You know, I was talking to a uh, friend of mine this week, and she is a school teacher. And she was telling me that she said the kids are winning. She said, I got 40 kids, and it's just me. I said, that sounds a, a bit much. She said, yeah, 40 nine-year-olds. I got one nine-year-old. We chasing him around. And she said, they're winning. And she says, it gets chaotic and it gets crazy. And the thing I shared with her was this. I said, your classroom is your territory. So when you go to your classroom, what you need to do is you need to take authority over every spirit in that classroom. And you need to serve every spirit notice. You cannot disrupt, distract, or anything, any type of drama in my classroom. Now, if you want to go to another classroom, that's your business. But in this classroom, I have dominion. I am in charge. And that goes for school teachers. That goes if you work in the office place. You need to bind up every spirit before you even get in there. I bind every gossiping, lying, I mean, bind it all up. And you're going to see and then release your angel and say, Father, thank you that today we're going to have peace today. You tell the kids, we're going to have peace today. And watch God do the work. So faith puts you in command. Faith puts you in the driver's seat. Have you ever been a passenger in a vehicle? It's kind of scary, right? Depending upon who is driving the car. You know, some of us control freaks, right? You, 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 the passenger, you trying to tell the driver where to go, you pointing and. It's like, man, cut that out, man. Let me drive. I know where I'm going. But I got a question for you. Who's in the driver's seat or what is in the driver's seat of your life? Is your past in the driver's seat? Well, we know where you're going. You're going backwards. Is fear in your driver's seat? Well, we know what's going on there too. You stalling. You just frozen. Are other people in the driver's seat of your life? Do you have PPD, people-pleasing disease? Well, we know where you're going too. You're going all over the place and then going nowhere at the same time. See, or is the word of God in the driver's seat? Is the Holy Ghost in the driver's seat? Is faith in the driver's seat? Well, see, we know where you're going too. And so faith puts you in the driver's seat with the Holy Spirit as your GPS, leading and guiding you into all truth, leading and guiding you and showing you things to come. We have to relinquish control and say, God, I'm giving this all to you. I'm going to allow your word to lead me. I'm going to allow you to lead me. And when we do that, we, we get victory. Because God's going to lead you to a good place. I said, God's going to lead you to a good place. He's going he gonna to lead you to a good place. But many of us, we don't want to relinquish control. Nah, I got it. Boom, hit your head up against the brick wall. 
Nah, I don't need marriage counseling. Boom, hit your head up against the wall. No, be open, yield. Be yielded and then the Lord can use you. Then the Lord can direct you. As they say in the past, you know, it's hard to move a parked car. You got to say, God, I'm here. I'm yielded to you. And then God is able to really help us move along in life. So faith puts you in the driver's seat or the, the driver's seat of life. Now, let me give you my last point. It is the lifestyle of faith is fueled by love. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, it says, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Now, just the way faith works by love, uh, faith works by love the same way cars work by gas. It doesn't matter how pretty your car is. That boy can be a Lambo, Mercedes, I mean brand new, top of the line. If there's no fuel, it's going where? Come on. Can it go just a little, just a little? Can't go anywhere. So it is true with your faith. Your faith life is fueled by your love walk. And so it doesn't matter how pretty you think your life is. If you striving with folks, then there's going to be a problem with your spiritual life. It's going to be a problem with your faith life. And so I want you to notice something and I want you to make a mark of this. But when you're believing for something big, the enemy, if he can't find a way to get to you, the one key way he going to try is through strife. I'm telling you, you can be believing God for something and he can't find a way into you. So you know what he's going to do? He wants to stir up some confusion. He wants you fighting and striving with somebody that you know. Why? To lock your faith up. Because now faith works by love. And if, my, if, my, if I'm fighting with so-and-so, Many times our greatest victories are within arm's reach, but we're too busy, distracted by strife. James 3.16 says this, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Watch this. When you start striving with folks, the devil, the door is wide open and strife bring in all his first cousins, envy jealousy I mean they all coming in confusion we come we coming in like a gang up in here gang busting just mess your whole family up mess the whole house up and you got to take authority over that I remember a story my father told years years ago he said he said me and your mother was at church one day and we heard a, a great message from God man we were so excited we got home and we just talked the whole way about how awesome that message was, got to the house and broke out into a full-blown argument about something. And in this argument, they arguing, and my dad said he had a, it was like God just showed him in a moment, this is not about you guys. The enemy is trying to steal the word you just received by getting you guys in strife. 
So my father said, in that moment, he stopped and he says, Satan, I serve you notice. You cannot operate in this house. He said he walked to the front door, opened the door and said, get out of my house in the name of Jesus. Closed the door and he said, we went on, honey, I apologize. I'm sorry. See, the enemy wants to rob you of what you believe in God for. And when he can't find a way, he's going to go and work through other people. He's going to remind you of somebody that owe you money from years ago. And then you see him in a grocery store. You ain't seen that, you ain't seen that person in 20 years. Man, don't you owe me $30? Man, what you fussing for some $30, 20 years? Come on now. Listen to this. Don't let strife ruin your faith life. The enemy will bombard your mind with thoughts full of strife. But you know what I love about the word? The Bible says, taking the shield of faith, where which we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. When his darts are coming, all you got to do is say, devil, you can shoot your best shot. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to be at peace. We're going to have some joy. You ain't robbing me of what the word has promised. And guess what? The promise shows up. Yes. Now, when it starts to get real, real hot, when the fires start to really, really burn, that's when you know you're on to something real good. The Bible says, thinking not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. The next verse says, but rejoice. I'm going to try that one more time. But rejoice. That's it. So when the fires start to burn, you start to rejoice because you know the promise is already here. I'm not trying to get the promise I already have. Come on. You're not trying to get it. Faith is not trying to get it. Faith has already received it. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, I'm going to close with this. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a fragrant aroma. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer. And his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. 
Praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you.